0: News. news, 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 news. New York City. The
1: FAQ NYC podcast is getting more and more interesting by the minute. <laughs> FAQ. <A-Q. laughs> Hi, and welcome to FAQ NYC. I'm Harry Siegel.
0: Good morning. I'm Professor Christina Greer. And I'm Alex Brooklyn.
1: And today we have Ibrahim Abdul Mateen, an old friend and a master of all things New York City water. Welcome.
2: Um, I'm honored to be here. I love the irreverence and the silliness that has accompanied this introduction, and I'm really excited to talk about water.
1: Water.
0: What do you know about the suit James has against uh, the EPA? James who?
3: Notation James.
0: Um,
2: I don't know. I don't actually care about the EPA. I'm a New York firster. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, <laughs> 51st state. I'm not even 51st. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm absolving the union. Um, I'm a little over the whole experiment. I think we can do better, frankly. I think regional government has not been tested. I'm agreeing. And DEP is the best form of regional government that we have in this area. And I think that eventually it will, when all the other governments fade, DEP and what it is, the footprint with the watershed will be the regional government. That's just my personal take. Are we recording this?
3: Oh my okay, god, Adam, that's that, that, the best that, that's, thing that's ever been said can, can on this podcast. This? Please, right, okay. I would
0: love it I if you used that. The
3: brilliant of my You missed
0: Chrissy <laughs> good news. I was to, out getting
3: news. water while the most brilliant thing ever was said on the this I was getting podcast. water. You're getting to get water.
1: Into the theme of the show. <laughs> that's bad why I purposely <laughs> stepped out to get water.
0: You're gonna have to get a new ID. Good news, we are going to be a free New Yorkers, a blast. We're, New York. we're liberated. We don't need to be stuck into this old paradigm
2: of religious, cultural, ethnic, emotional, national borders. We can just say, what is the footprint that will sustain human life? What is that footprint? Can we provide for it? And New York has a beautiful model with a hundred mile perimeter watershed and food shed that we have basically already demonstrated that we can we can do this. We can do regional government that doesn't impede upon other places and other regions.
3: Basically, Larry was like, "Are you a fifty-first state person?" And he was like, "No, let's
1: just separate altogether."
2: Because I don't know if I think that the original thing was Wait,
1: a, New York should just separate. I'm I'm so lost. Yeah, New York should be its own thing. Oh, okay. completely.
2: Well, not New York State.
1: New York City. Oh, just the You're re- a five borougher.
2: No, not even five borough. The region, the uh-huh. watershed.
1: Oh well. So we just take our watershed and go.
3: We're
2: like, we're cool.
3: But what is, so what is the region, I guess, would be a good place to start? So what I'm
2: saying is, if you argue, there's a couple ways to think about it. The Lenape, the ancient ones, saw the whole region as the language that was spoken, which was roughly like southern New England down to like mid-Atlantic. That was their expression of the region. And New York was a strategically important part of that region because it was the nursery of the sea. And... Lots of plants and animals would come here to regenerate and then go back out. And that's how the Native people treated the area. They learned histories about their area. So that is the traditional region. The glacial region, if you want to think about that from that perspective.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm pulling back to like my fourth grade (laughs) (laughs) teaching on Native American. The Algonquins and the Cherokees. But they all
2: spoke a similar language. And that's the important part. It's not that they were all the same tribe. The ancient ones the were the ones here. They were the sort of like the heart of the tribe, if you will. Um, that would be like, um, if you think about in a, a football thing, it would be like Ohio linebacker or like Pennsylvania linebackers. You know, if you're thinking about it from a football reference, I know that doesn't work for, as much for you. I mean, or it like, works, but <laughs> does it work? Or like, <laughs> uh, or it kind of doesn't work. It's a good point. Um, but like the heart of the thing that sort of we're like, best we're expresses Democrats, it. Like
1: black, I mean, black women.
2: Oh my God! Amen. If
1: that's a political example, like the heart of the Democratic Party is correct. Black women. Correct.
2: That's exactly correct.
1: Or the bloodline, or the lifeline, or whatever. The yeah, what we need, <laughs> and if we
2: lose them, we're going we're done. Yeah, we're basically. toast. Um, so black, that would be the Lenape. Hashtag Black Girl Magic.
1: Hashtag Black Women Told Y'all. <laughs> <laughs> but go ahead.
2: And um. And then if you extend it beyond that, all of this – so this is a natural place where all the glacial patterns moved and it carved out the water. So you have the different rivers that reach into this into this harbor. Um, that's why the soil is so rich because it's been sort of pulled for millennia into this particular place. So I would say the region is you reach the Catskills. And then you, as you get over the Catskills, New York State's geography changes and it becomes these rolling foothills – on the backside, the western slope of the Catskills, that becomes a different kind of cultural area. It becomes a little more midwestern in a sense, yep. right? Culturally, it becomes a little more midwestern. Mm-hmm. So I think there is a culture that extends from New York and the harbor up until sort of the slope, the, ba- the our side of the Catskills, that is like a natural region. So if you think about human beings arguably need like access to the coast and access to a mountain. and almost a lot of traditional cultures, you would have – access to a waterway and then you would go up to access to a high point to have some vantage point. And I think that's what you get with that. You get the vantage point from the catskills and then you get all the way down to the low point um, with the with the water and our sort of coastal region. So that to me defines the region from an ecological standpoint. Politically we've defined it lots of different ways, but I also think that they've there's been some calculations thinking about what would it take to feed New York City. And that is roughly the same 100 150 mile radius that extends around. And I'm going to include roughly like um, there's an imaginary boundary with Connecticut
1: mm-hmm.
2: that sort of from an ecological standpoint is really just an imaginary boundary. Um, but like that sort of hundred mile radius that would include out sort of like new Haven kind of reaches at the edges of that. There's a, that to me, that area that extends down in this is the natural place for where the people have come and collected at. And then outside of that is what could feed and support and sustain the people in this region. And that's the water, the food. I think those are the primary two elements that would sustain the population. That's what I think of as the thing. thing. So when I say we need regional government, we need it because using irrational thinking to to not do regional government has created more problems for people trying to supply water. And we could give an example whenever you're ready about what happened in Richmond, Virginia, why they, when they didn't make a, a smart decision about how to deal with their water, most governments make really tough choices about where to get their water from. And when they use political, racial, emotional, irrational decision points, they make bad decisions, and then they pay for them later.
1: So has New York made good decisions in getting their water? New York you, has made the
2: best decisions out of any, probably, government on the planet Earth, in my opinion.
1: Okay, walk us through that, because you worked in the Bloomberg administration, and did you ever work in the de Blasio administration in that capacity as well?
2: So for the, in the Bloomberg administration, I was a junior... So, policy advisor but i say that to say the bloomberg administration had a very entrepreneurial spirit and you can have
1: <laughs> that's diplomatic oh so get out go ahead
2: <laughs> and you can have a lot of you could be junior but you can have energy and have ideas and be able to in and to learn a lot so i was able to be in a lot of conversations that um maybe i shouldn't have been but learned a, a heck of a lot I worked on the mayor's um office of long-term planning and sustainability worked on planning my which was a sustainability blueprint which was then copied by many other governments around the globe as a blueprint for how to think through holistically what your infrastructure and goals around climate change and what changes that you need to make and what leverage the city has to make those changes. In the de Blasio administration, I worked at the Department of Environmental Protection, which is the city's water utility, but also manages other things like um, regulates air quality and other specific environmental things, cleans up hazardous waste or hazardous spills and that sort of thing. So it has a sort of a sprawling agenda. And I worked as, I was a director of community affairs, so I was essentially a spokesperson for that agency um, and and interacted with the elected officials, the community groups, regular citizens, um, and then uh, supported the mayor's office on on whatever initiatives related to our work as well.
1: So why does New York get such high marks in your estimation for water and water spills?
2: I think our history, uh, it starts from this place of bounty, right? So we go back to that conversation about the Lenape and, and the, the, this, what this place existed and looked like before colonists came. Before white people came, this was a beautiful, verdant, almost like a paradise. Um, you could walk around anywhere and it were bubbling. You know, if you read Manhattan, it gives like really good accounts and sort of descriptions of this, but it was like bubbling water from the ground. So you had springs coming up from the ground. You had flocks and flocks of birds above you had a really vibrant coastline that was producing oysters that were huge you know it was if you walked around here you could literally walk barefoot for parts of the year and just literally live off the land it's like the way you describe hawaii now like maui or the big island when you go deep into the forest you could just drink from any any spring or any stream that was the way it was here um so when people came they were like this is incredible this is astonishing and it was a deep port they were like, whoa, right? There were, there was. A, that's why they would do so much to fight to keep it. That's why this area has been so protected, in my opinion, from and insulated from the real politics. It wasn't a battleground for any of the major wars. It was like, well, let's keep that alone. There's too much opportunity and money and, and that's what coming here. Immigrants that come here come for money. They don't come here to New York to like be part of a political movement. They come here to, to make bread. So I think that that's sort of the backdrop that we're operating from. So the foundation for our water supply was like we need – it was quickly because New York was growing rapidly. So they started building it slowly over time from those bubbling springs to collecting it where the footprint of the New York Public Library um, on 42nd was originally a reservoir. Mm, Alexander Hamilton was the – they built that. Base, that was like one of the first big infrastructure projects, and and if you look, and it, one of the basic principles of any water supply is that you need gravity and pressure um, that provides, right? So pressure is what gets it into your tap or gets it to where you want to do it, where you want to use it, um, and gravity. That's why so they built a lot of the water systems above ground or higher than higher grade, so you can create some of that natural gravity. So the genius of New York's water supply is as it was growing, and we'll get to cholera in a second, but as it was growing and building up...
1: We'll get to color in a second. <laughs> Let's
2: not rush it. <laughs> really. Um, fecal matter in your water. That's why you don't want to get there too quickly. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Let's stay back <laughs> with Let's the birds and eating it off like, the eating like oysters. We're all walking around naked eating <laughs> oysters. And it's like, then we're going to get to the crap in your water. But that comes in a second. Um, okay, so talk to us. So We've got gravity. We've got
2: pressure. pressure. So, I, so you need... To find a source of water that is um, – that's that's going to provide for this bustling and growing, rapidly growing population. Let's just talk about cholera. Um, part of the problem that you have with, um, with water in the world now, you still have this problem today, is that you have pollutants. You have fecal matter and other like terrible, dirty things in your water. You drink it. You get horribly sick. You could die. So people would die – by the thousands in New York City. So you, ha- I mean, this is also an era when people would say, I use the bathroom and I have waste from my garbage and I would put it into a bucket in my apartment and I would throw it out the window um, or I would throw it into the street. Um, you, this is a time when you st- people didn't even street- sweep the streets the same way they – street. there was no Department of Sanitation. New York City innovated with the Department of Sanitation and that's a whole other show and a whole other conversation. But those two are interlinked. Public health, the mission of public health was really we need clean water. We need. We have hordes of immigrants coming from these horrible places like Ireland and these places where people are terrible people, like you know these poor people from that don't share our religion, like these Italians and all these other crazy places coming to New York,
0: um, and we and we and they need clean water and they need to. So you need clean water in. You need a way to get dirty water out. Precisely. But 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 can you just? What year are we in? Right about.
2: We're in now? the 1830s. We're in the 1830s, 1840s. And so the beginnings of our water system and our beginning to create a outside-of-the-city solution, that's the important piece, something outside of the city. So the city had to go in, work with the state government, which at the time was pre-reorganized, so it was, like, very difficult to get things done and to mm-hmm. approve things. But so much activity was happening that they were able to, say, eminent domain and take land just north of the city, take land that's just in the Bronx now. So, the beginnings of the system were just outside the city, gravity fed. You had some beautiful infrastructure built for that. For about a century, you had New York and New York State involved in massive construction building. Part of it that came out of it was the longest tunnel in the world, which still to this day is the longest tunnel in the world um, that takes from our um, furthest reaching in Delaware County water system, water supply to New York City. Um, you have what is a modern marvel of engineering. It is 100% gravity-fed from upstate New York. That means that up to seven stories in New York City, you don't need a pump to get your water. So during um, Blackout, most New Yorkers had water. And if they didn't, if they were in a really tall building, they had some reserves in their water tanks. So most of them had water for a significant amount of time. Because it was built at a time when you didn't have the sort of advantage of electricity, New York City is uniquely positioned to deal with climate change. Um, shocks and other things that might happen to affect us. Also, they found areas north of the city, you have a natural watershed where you have water coming down from the Hudson and from the Adirondacks sort of tr- streaming down, but you also have water that's collecting in the Catskills from streams and lakes. So there's controlled lakes that they've, New York City has controlled and created um, uh, a way to get the water into our system. And then you have dams, and this is the, the unsavory side of it, Some Small villages and towns were completely submerged and destroyed, so people's ancestral land—I say that with quotes because some of the people were colonizers and settlers, but to them it was their grandparents and great-grandparents' land were taken away from them overnight by the state of New York for the citizens of New York. These were tough decisions that were made, and the reason why I say that those are the hardest points of the decision, but at the end result, what you've done is create an incredible water supply that's arguably the best— Urban water supply in the world. And this is all tunnel one, right? Correct. I mean, well, tunnel one, I was sort of extending it. Tunnel one, two, and three. You get you start getting into i um, over that's why I say from 1840s or 1830s or whatever, 40s, you get into 1940s, 50s, 60s. They're still building our system out. So it's not like it was like we built it and we're done. They sort of over time, as you had explosions in population, you said, Oh, we need to plan for that. And New York City did a really good job of. Of, of planning so you could argue is it that they created capacity and that created the ability for more people or did the more people and the projection of more people create the need to do that right. i think that's an interesting conversation
1: so you mentioned tunnel one two three can you just walk our listeners i love this story um can you just walk our listeners through sort of these tunnels and shutting off a tunnel and redirecting water in a new tunnel
2: that's an interesting um, it's the way first to think time about you it. ever
1: explained that to me my mind was blown just because we've got 9 million people here who turn on a tap with and them magic. every day and it's it's literally magic every morning i do
2: think about that if you were to like take someone from like 181770s and say hey come to new york and then they would be like they would literally take you probably not you guys but probably you and you and take you and think you call you a witch and burn you at the stake. Mm.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm into it. I'm like, Shout out you haven't
3: my nine straight. <laughs> see Hi. my Twitter feed. <laughs> um,
2: because it's crazy, it's it's insane, and I always tell people to remind people, like, just look, Let's rewind back and think about most of human history has existed in this, like, how the hell are we gonna get water? And people, wa- and people still do this today. So you just know most of human history. New York is an admiration and a unique situation. So you are living in one of them as one of the most uniquely protected and privileged humans on the planet Earth ever. Um, So the water... So you have to remember that when they're building a tunnel, it's not like they just go into the ground and they just, like, tunnel along. It's
1: not like like seven dwarves. (laughs) We're We're going to build a tunnel.
2: So so everyone, I I always think of, like, um, the trolls and the dwarves in in Middle Earth, you know, sort of getting into a mountain and just churning away. (laughs) Uh, But what they do do is they create, um, they tunnel for a bit, and then they create shafts, right? The shafts are long... Sort of they're from the ground, so you you are walking on them every day. You see them. You're walking by them in the, in the city, and they're part of the they're part of the infrastructure because they help build the pressure up. Um, how do I explain this best? It's basically like if you imagine, it's so crazy that people can't see me. Um, if you imagine. Um,
0: Th- there's a lot of gesticulating. Right, happening.
3: <laughs> a <lot of> gesticulating. <laughs> a lot of it when we're talking about gravity. There's one hand that is high right. and In one, one hand, hand, hand that is low. Right, right. and, and water
1: is like it's <laughs> going a busy spider. The fingers are just tingling.
0: And, <laughs> and here, we go, record, here we go. Here we go. The record. It. Um, I believe that Alex and Adam would have been burned at the uh, stake <laughs> <laughs> with a U and a U. <laughs> Is
2: what you're talking about the same principle as hydraulics? I'm not – I wouldn't say that I'm an engineer, so I don't – yes, I'm sure that it does, but I wouldn't – I'm not going to say that. I'm more of a – I'm going to say that – so yes. um, Imagine a straight line and at various points intermittently you have a, a couple of perpendicular lines. The perpendicular lines would be going vertical, going upwards. Those are the shafts. Um, from the, um, so it would be more like this, sorry. So those are the shafts that would go up from the tunnel. The tunnel is very, 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 very deep and in and, and lots of places. You need the shafts to sort of create that. But also when they were building it, they built out these shafts to build it, right? It's kind of like- You um, use a shaft. You use the shaft to, to sort of to at different points tunnel. to build out the tunnel. So you're connecting the tunnel as opposed to sort of building and moving straight forward. You need to map out your your where you're going to go because you're creating impacts above ground um, all, all along the way. It's similar to a way like most of the subway system was created. Um, a lot of it was created this way. Also, a lot of it was cre- – there was a cut and cover approach that was created. And that's also what was used upstate in different – in other locations. Cut and cover is basically like you cut a big, huge trench. You put your pipe and all the stuff that you want in that tunnel and then you cover it up. So the shallow subway stations were the ones that were cut and cover. The ones that are super deep had a different – more of like a water tunnel kind of shaft ap- approach to it. Um, and I'm sure an engineer could lie to – tell me I'm lying or tell me that there's other ways to do these things as well. And God bless them. Um,
3: who – just a quick question. Who is responsible for most of the innovation during the turn of the century?
2: I think at this point, these these engineers on the job. I mean uh, – Just you know, the
3: engineers on the job. There's no like main leader you can
1: point to in New York City history. This is actually a really
2: amazing point because – you think about Brooklyn Bridge. You think about Roebling. Mm-hmm. You think about um,
1: Robert Moses and so many things correct, in New York,
2: precisely. But there's no, and this is actually God bless this because you can think about like the the sort of concerted human effort and the um, it's, maybe it's actually the narrative we need for what we need going forward of like deep collaboration where no one takes credit and everyone sort of is a part of it because um, there uh, you can't really speak to one individual person. I'm sure you go deep into the records and say this person signed the check or this person said yes or no. Um, and lots of people would take a lot of credit or being part of the conversation, but to facilitate everything that Robert Moses wanted to facilitate, he needed to be in cahoots with these people. Those were perhaps, maybe that's another part of that story that we need to dive into. What was his relationship to the water infrastructure systems and how that was developed? Because that was all separate bond money and separate yeah. efforts and you know deep collaboration between the state and the, um, um, the city, which is one of the only ways the state and the city has, has only ever consistently worked together and not had a lot of beef um and not fought cat and dog kind of thing that's a that's a really awesome question cuz it makes me think about who are some of these unsung heroes really of our water infrastructure and how do we delve into history and find out cuz part of it is that like the building of any tunnel or any major infrastructure project that's dangerous you go into the ground you find people from different faiths religions cultures coming together so they were creating a whole new culture underground building out these things mm-hmm. um and we don't actually talk about that a lot because a lot of the stories are forgotten because a lot of them died mm. right a lot of those people are done and gone so i i think that that's a that's an amazing thing to think about is like what was the because a lot of that ingenuity was happening in real time you're looking at the geography you're thinking about how it's going to move what what you need to build so they're building things custom made for these situations um
1: so back to my tunnels yeah
2: um yeah, I mean i don't i I'm, I'm, i'll I'll say that I know that much of detail right now i'll I'll say, like, has anyone been on Worth Street lately downtown? yeah, right. They're building part of tunnel number three that's cutting down through, so um uh, extending from these shafts are huge water mains, right, so they go into water mains. each street has a water main going through the street. if it's a city street which is a city-owned street, which means it meets certain specifications for width because it needs to have a, a fire truck needs to be able to go down it. Um, a sanitation truck needs to be able to go down it. Um, if those are the chartered city streets, underneath those things has a water main in those street. Those water mains and the lines that come from those water main, the um, those are called service lines. Those service lines are what connect to your building. And this is an important point because um, it may not connect to all the way you're saying, but I just want people to understand the infrastructure. That the mains that are in the street, so if there's a a water break in the street, the city is thinking first, whose line is it? Is it a service line? Because the service line is owned by the building that it's connected to. So for example, and the reason why this is important, if you think about like what happened in Flint with the water crisis and everyone's like, you know, change all the service lines. Change all the pipes in the city. Well, that's a big decision that the government needs to make. Is it going to be in the business of changing private property? And now, are they going to own the private property, or are they going to give that private property to the city?
1: Right. So if I pay for your line, then it? I own the line. The city is saying totally, but
2: it's. It, I don't know if anyone is, I, or I is it it's a just,
1: gift to you, building owner, and then I just pay for your line, and then you get to have it, correct, and maintain it?
2: Because then the question is: Is my responsibility as the as the government? Um, to solve this problem of clean water, to make sure that everyone has access to clean water, and that includes making sure that your service line is clean? Or is it your responsibility as the citizen to make sure, and the building owner specifically, because it could be some other person, to make sure that that, that that line is is clear? And that's an important distinction. And that service line relationship to the main exists with gas, exists with oil. No, not gas, not oil. Um, with gas and electricity. And water. Those are the um, natural gas, electricity, water are the ways where you start to have that relationship and with the waistline. So the line goes into, and we could talk about waste as well, but we don't have to go into that yet until you. But waistline has the same thing it has a service line that's a waistline that goes out, out, an exit line. And that's also owned by you. So if you have sewage bubbling on your grass and you're like, the city's not taking care of my property, that's you.
1: That's on you. Sorry. <laughs> but once,
3: but once that waste hits, like what the joint? Correct. Like, once the waste hits the joint, the, who owns the um, what's it called? What's that it place, the the
2: joint. Joint. Yeah, that the place. That's turn. where the we. That's the where the city. And I'm saying we, but I'm not the city anymore. But I have any emotional connection <laughs> um, to that role. But um, and I think that that is the most noble form of go- role of government is to provide for these, is to solve these types of problems at that scale. And I think that anything else that government does is extra. It has to solve this problem around how we get water and deal with waste. And at that point, yes, then that becomes if there's a problem with the joint, that's us, right? We need to take care of it. And us is the larger us because we pay taxes and we pay – in New York City, you pay a water rate. If you own a building, you pay the water rate. That pays for – and we can talk about the funding in a second. And that's another reason why New York City is an amazing thing because of that funding. But that sort of – then it says, oh, we're responsible. Let's make sure it's cleaned
0: up and fixed. I have two questions here. Uh, I want to get to the uh the funding. Yeah, yeah. And Bloomberg who who wanted some some master planner credit um for, for the completion of the second tunnel and then there were all these homeowners who said this has been a shadow tax on us uh to get this built. But before getting there, I'm hoping you can explain where um where where the lead comes in here. Is this uh the what? Lead. Lead, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, is this is this starting in the man's? Is this mostly the the, the connections? I know first in schools, for instance, this has become a big thing where where they're running the water for like 25 minutes each morning. Um, and then having the water tested and saying the lead rates are very low, but when they just go on, they're they're higher because like you know the pipe hasn't been cleaned, hasn't been running all night. Yep. So so is this mostly a city problem or a private problem at this point when we look it's at lead most, and water? It's mostly a private problem.
2: It is ninety nine percent a private problem. The problem is that the most buildings that were built before nineteen sixty have lead pipes in them and their service lines also potentially have lead in them. But most of the, so you're, what you're dealing with in the decision points that New York City made that would differentiate itself from another place. So the the pH level or balance of your water supply coming from the source, going through the pipes, you have to account for that as an engineer and a a, a chemist to understand what is going to be the reaction of the water from its source and all of its components going through your pipes, is it going to leach the pipes and pull the lead out of the pipes mm-hmm. and then into your into what you're drinking um, from your thing? So that's the critical piece. So you have to make a decision. So you have to understand, A, you have to test the water rigorously and regularly. You have to test it obsessively. right? You need someone who is like almost OCD about testing water as the person taking care of the water. If you don't have that, you need to find those people very quickly. New York City has an f- army of people that are obsessed with, with testing the water. We test the water like a million times a year, half a million times a year, arguably more than any other entity that tests their water. There's water testing stations all over the city.
3: And what about each building? Is each building responsible to test their own water or each home? or
2: So we know that it's coming lead-free into your into your home, into the building. That's where you have the problem. So – a school, you're right, it's, it might build up. Okay, so the, the and once you figure out what the composition is, then you have to make sure you put certain types of additives to prevent it from leaching when it gets to mm-hmm. the lead part. So the the group of chemicals that they use are called orthophosphates. Those orthophosphates it roughly would create like a film, if you will, that protects the inside of the pipe. So it keeps the – first of all, you have pressure that's pushing through the pipe. If there's less pressure, the sort of – Bad stuff on the edges of the pipe might come in. But when you keep the pressure up, it pushes that stuff into the pipe. The orthophosphates continue that or magnify that and make the seal better. Um, so, for example, the decision to not put phosph- the right kind of chemical composition to protect it, the orthophosphates, into the water in Flint is what happened in Flint, which is a million-dollar decision. It's nothing. Uh-huh. It's absolutely nothing. It's the most absurd. So when they they switch from one water source to another, so that's why I was very clear about that. If you know your water source, you have to do a deep dive on all the composition of that water, and understand what you need to do to make sure that it doesn't leach the bad properties from the pipes at the at the consumer end. New York City has a, does great investment in that.
1: And what does a water testing station look like? Where it's would a
2: You'll see them randomly around the city. It's a silver box that sort of protrudes from the ground. And it's kind of like, maybe I'm like six foot or I'm like, oh, technically I'm 5'11", three quarters. Um, <laughs> and it's a, uh, I, I like to say six foot. It sounds okay. better. But yeah. now that I'm old, we'll it give doesn't you matter anymore. Um, <laughs> it's like,
1: I've known you for 20 years. You used to be six too.
2: <laughs> um, my hair is my hair. Um the, it's a silver box. It's a silver box. It looks like a big sort of like um like a cooler above ground. And the guys come up and they open it up and they they test the water. In your building, you can call 311 right now. Any, any New Yorker can call 311 and say, I want to request a, a, a water testing kit. They'll send you a water testing kit. They really like to have those because then it, they understand better the they get more testing. They get more results about mm. the the water quality.
1: Citizens doing it precisely. I'm gonna do that. Let's let's have homework. My landlord took listeners. away my
3: bathroom sink because they said I'm not. They weren't legally obligated to give me one.
2: Well, that's a whole other kind of it's issue. A <laughs> <than you>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's a different one. Hold on. Okay, so hold on. We have a few things going on. We've oh, got lead. yeah, yeah.
2: We'll talk I about. I still financing. want to know
1: about t- turning off one of these tunnels.
2: Oh, so turning off the <laughs> tunnel? Yeah, because we the first tunnel is leaking. Right. Oh. So the first tunnel is leaking. Is
1: it – does it have
3: a name, the first tunnel? Water tunnel, tunnel number one. Just tunnel, tunnel one. one. It's yeah. not like you an want to name aqueduct. Betsy. You totally want to name Betsy it. Betsy or whatever. <laughs> and it's a, billion, so fun.
0: it's a billion gallons of drinking water a day in and like 1.3 billion are gallons of waste out. And how much is tunnel one leaking? Just so so you can put that in perspective. You know, I, w- I wish I knew that offhand uh, a lot,
2: a heck of a lot into its seepage from the on the ground is going into the Hudson River. Um the, there's a huge project to replace that tunnel or to fix that tunnel so that the building of water tunnel number three is going to create the redundancy that's going to be needed. There's also um, an aquifer that's in um, Long Island. It's on the edge of Long Island. So long, if you're in like uh, – I think it's Nassau County's closest one to here. Yeah. Nassau yeah. County and um, parts of Queens. <laughs> Watch,
3: a, we're wrong. <laughs> okay, <right. laughs> it's like it's
2: <laughs> 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 Um And it's deep. There's a huge aquifer out there that um, – that that people use for that and Queens residents used to actually use. So if we needed to, we have that potential redundancy for the system. I don't think the city really wants to use that water. Um, You know, we don't know this, you know, I I don't think there's there's pump stations that are ready to go for whenever we want to use it. My dad who grew up in Jamaica, Queens grew up on that water. Okay. And so there's a plan, but the number one thing that needs to happen is we need to reduce our consumption of water. To make sure that we don't have as much demand, so that as this process goes through, like that's going to help. The beautiful thing is that since nineteen in the fifties, New York City consumption and use has has decreased, even while our population has increased. We've become more efficient, um, even in the most overconsumptive time, and arguably in human history, we've managed to sort of fill out, figure out a best, a really good relationship with water, um, even though lots of people take hella long showers. Um,
3: but weren't there a bunch of like new regulations put in for the kind of toilets that new buildings that, yes, had to 100%, use, et cetera, one hundred percent. You're
2: not going to solve a problem like that with individual people having an aha moment. You need to shift the entire landscape and change procurement Low-flow rules. Low-flow toilets. That whole thing. yeah. Efficient and, showers. And precisely. Like that. And that's – yeah, because that's going to create – you need to be – the the behavior change at this scale needs to happen we're not people with just people like just
1: turning off the water when they brush their teeth that's it that was like the big psa when that we would be great but that's
2: not going to change right you know like you need it to just be you know, a, a big,
1: regulatory level precisely right, right. yeah um so and so at one point we will turn off water one betsy or is she already turned off
2: that's a great question i'm sorry i don't have that answer no, that's um, cool. Edit it out. it's a great is question she,
1: <laughs> is betsy
3: is betsy repairable
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we already have pieces of uh, the, I think a couple of years ago. Yes, Betsy? Alice and I. They're calling yes, water They just named Watertown We named, water named Douglas Betsy.
1: Betsy. <laughs> <laughs> Betsy seems like a real piece of work. <laughs> 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 Betsy's
3: cracked. <laughs> <right? laughs>
1: she's old. She's just falling apart. I can't. <laughs> okay. So. She's got a cataract. You're basically, I would say, like the equivalent of like an LA Lakers cheerleader for the city of New York's watershed. <laughs> I, You're like the Paula Abdul of the New York City watershed,
3: <laughs> <laughs> Or the Jennifer Lopez. Hold on. I wanted never to
1: c- like a girl. No, but she was a fly girl.
2: She was totally a fly girl.
1: Fly girl. Okay, so in living color. All right. Fine. We'll get it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so there was so some dancing. Who, you would rate New York. Who would be in, the, say, the top three, top five of cities, U.S. cities, um, when it comes to sort of Water and like, should New York be looking at other cities? I mean, I know we're the leaders, but everyone's looking at us basically. Is that what you're saying? We're the best. There's no question about that. Um, (laughs) And you're not being biased. You're like literally, it's like because of the testing, because of the history, because of the engineering. I think there's no one. The challenge, the the difference is,
2: I think you would would have to split them into groups of where of the source of their water, right? So like, if it's river source, that's a totally different group of people. So then you would say, wow, how do they manage? dumping into the river at some points and then how do they manage taking from the river at some points obviously so that's a whole nother group i think um you would need to think i think maybe nevada i mean las vegas would probably be like the top of like managing with scarcity Uh um because that they've sort of looked at they've um it's similar to new york where they sort of there's a lot of groundwater um similar to new york in that they bought up a lot of land outside of las vegas and nevada and other places to to control the water rights and make and manage it in such a way so that they're actually um, making it. They're making. They're preserving it and conserving it. So it looks like it's crazy and overconsumptive there, but yeah. they figured out a really incredible way to sort of balance out some of their stuff. So that's I think that they have managing within that scarcity. They're incredible. San Francisco, um, San Diego. I mean, I think that that's how you need to think about it. Is in who has a, a surface level source to pull from. The other way to think about it is who, in, according to federal laws is required to filter their water. And New York City is not required to filter its water. Other cities, most cities are, and there's a lot of effort to get New York City to filter its water. But our water is gravity fed and it's it's sort of, um though a lot of the reasons why you would want it filtered. It doesn't actually get, it's always moving. It's always in motion, right? It takes a lot to sort of get the parasites into that. You treat the water at different parts of this process, but New York City has a really good, uh, it's a filtration agro- uh, avoidance determination. It's called the FAD and New York City has consistently fought and made the case that we don't need to filter our water. So that might put us into a different tier. And so I would wonder who are the other cities in that tier. I would I give a lot of credence to cities that are pulling water from rivers and other water bodies. And, you know, they have to make different types of choices.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, like Chicago um, with the lake or um, – Michigan, Detroit, like they're all, they're making really difficult decisions with water. And so the, I would, it's hard to judge us against them.
1: Right. I have i have another quick cool question. Ever since I, you know, started going to the dentist, I was born in New York, but raised outside of New York. Dentists would always say like, oh, wow, you know, you're born in New York. I can tell you, you've got strong teeth because fluoride was in the water. <laughs> <laughs> what, where are we with the fluoride in the water? There's so I've m- heard different Pros and cons about sort of having fluoride and what it does to people's mouths.
2: I don't know if I want to weigh in on the controversy because I think it's like... It is a controversy. It is a controversy. It's a major controversy. I think there's a conspiracy theorist.
3: There's so many. I was just going to bring that up. Course, but basically, that it you know uh, calms the population, it makes you oh, controllable, something that's why like I'm that. so passive <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well, clearly, the fluoride didn't work on I me was about to say, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> Lord, thank uh, goodness for fluoride. <laughs> Who would that, I be without that is it? That's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Flip this table over. Oh, you might be present. Um. Oh, goodness. No, I'm not a sexual predator, <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs>
2: Um, they uh, so I think we what we've done I think there's been an interesting comp- compromise in that the city has like just put less and less fluoride in the water over the past five. years. That's a or city decision. Years. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure what they how they justify it or what their reasoning is for it. But it hasn't, I th- and, and I don't know if there's any correlation or studies done to look at the 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 relationship of that to like overall dental health. I think that those are all difficult because you've theoretically you have more people going to the dentist than ever before. And so you're going to get different. Um, you know, it's it's not going to be easy. It's not apples to apples when right, you're right. kind of looking at it. But um, but that would say that the city is trending away from Florida.
1: Hmm,
0: okay.
2: So, and most water water suppliers are as well.
0: Chinatown, Mad Max, or Waterworld. <laughs> Hold on. Where are we at?
3: <laughs> a, a dystopic future,
0: or or or, or, present. or a, a complicated past with water politics. What what are good movies about water? Oh, good movies about water. I have no idea.
3: Oh, I saw I, I saw a follow- trailer for one called Flow. It was supposed to be very. I scary. saw Titanic. Wow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the water I, one, I, right? I think one of the challenges right. that we ha- I think one of the challenges that we have with water. Um, well, I mean, the best one I think. Let's just be real honest. Is Batman Begins?
0: Um, you've been such a great guest. You gotta, I gotta clarify. Batman
3: Begins
0: is the it was, the, it was is
3: that one of the Batman's that we shall not name.
2: It's one of the no. best Batmans. I think it <laughs> which is Batman the, is it? It's the most of the most recent franchise. Oh, it's the, the extremely first Christopher long,
0: Nolan. boring first one. It's the one with the
2: uh, not the Joker. Rosagul. I don't think it was Ra's a ghoul It was the um the 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 guy with the anyway. The plot is basically the villain. Who cares who the villain is? The villain. Poisons the water okay. supply.
3: Yeah, and, I think that's Raza. Oh, but, is that that yeah. one? Yeah.
2: Okay, yeah. So they, they poison the water supply. And the reason why I think it's intriguing because no one ever does, people don't, we, don't, we try it. I mean, there's been a couple of, like movies about New York City City's water supply. I think um, it was like almost like a diehard. What was that one? It was like a. Bruce Willis did one. It was basically like in the tunnels of New York City water supply. I Forget the name of the movie. This wasn't like Die Hard three. <laughs> it might have been Four Die or Hard or three. Or yeah. 18. <laughs> I think but this, this might, might have been. Like a I think you're right. One with the son or son son. Uh, the guy
0: from the Apple ads. Exactly. Yeah, this
2: is a Die Hard. Yeah. So I think that there's 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 some fear around it. I don't like any of those narratives at all. Like, yes, we should be mindful that that could potentially happen. And and. Protecting the water supply should be the no more in priority of any government. Um, How so, hard would it be to dose the water supply? Yeah, it would be extremely difficult. Why? Because no one knows where the hell the, the, the facilities are. That's the key element is, is keeping it kind of in ev- everywhere but nowhere. I think that's, you know, like I know where the the water shafts are, but an average citizen should not know where the water shafts are. Um, and that's, So
3: Betsy's a secret. Betsy's been kept away like –
2: Betsy is obvious because Betsy is all around you, everywhere.
3: Mm. Betsy is either everything or nothing. <laughs> right.
1: It's kind of like Obama.
0: They've already dosed the water supply. <laughs> <laughs> There's something
1: about <laughs> the movie <laughs> that does feel a little hazy. <laughs> another Batman. 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 <laughs> okay, so, so what, for our listeners, what should be the takeaway? Um, drink water. Drink water. Drink okay. from the
2: tap. If you but are, what if, if what you don't building, know of
1: our buildings? So, like, I'm in a pre-war your, building. Flush your, flush
2: your water in the morning. Just let it run for, like, a minute or two.
1: Okay.
2: Just to make sure, like, kind of just flush the system. Same way you would if you're in a school. The super comes in in the morning. They One of the first things they do is they flush the water. Um, and that kind of gets the whatever might have got stuck in the pipes overnight. Or just, like, just got gunked up. It might just flushes it through. So just run, just any New Yorker knows this though. You wake up in the morning, you turn on the water, you let it r- run for a little bit, and then you put it underneath the the faucet, and then you drink it. So I imp- encourage people don't drink plastic. You know what I'm saying? Don't use plastic. Plastic is um obviously we know the dangers of plastic and it's terrible, but it's also you're spending almost three to four dollars more per gallon than you would if you would just drink it from the tap
1: what if you don't trust your building right what if you're in a really old building and it feels like maybe if,
2: if there's legitimately something wrong with your with the mm. with the an inside condition then you must you have to call 311 and get the water testing kit and get that that data and get understand that because then what's going to happen is that they do a first test you send the the sample back to the city they they send it back to you if they, if, if it causes a red flag there's a couple layers, steps of that process, and then they're going to send somebody out to that building to see what's going on in that building, um, and then they're that they're going to have to make adjustments and fix that. So you should everyone, everyone, if you live in New York City, should get should call 311 and get your and request a um, water testing. Kit. I'm going
1: to do that today. It's like a twenty-three in me for your water building. By the way, cool
2: <laughs>
3: fact that I looked up: the Department of Street Cleaning started in eighteen eighty-one.
2: General mm-hmm. Waring who was a veteran of the um, uh, Spanish-American War. He wore all white. He had his guys wear all white. They would sweep the the streets. That's why um, their thing is, not only do they clean the streets, but that's why they do snow removal, right? Mm. Like if you were going to start a sanitation department today, they would be about composting and it would be doing totally different things, but but they're locked into this street sweeping model because that was where it began. And let's want to go to financing. I just, I want to make sure I touch on that. Let's go to the financial crisis in the 70s. New York City made a decision to take funding out of the hands of the elected officials. And New York City has a water rate. So if you're a building owner or a property owner, you pay a water rate. That supports the, the water infrastructure. So New York City gets zero funding from the federal government to maintain our water. That's why I began the conversation with hashtag New York first. We don't need them to take care of our most precious resource. Um, and we also buy up the land around our water supply to prevent it from being used for fracking, for hydrofracking. Thank God. And that was started in Mayor Bloomberg. So when you were saying earlier, I think Mayor Bloomberg should get a lot of credit for being – he dumped money into our water infrastructure in a way that hadn't happened since it had been sort of developed and created. And um, I hope that that is his legacy. I think it's the best part of his legacy.
0: No political rewards for that until very late. Like, no one was aware of it. The only people who noticed it said, what's up with my bill, and complained.
2: Well, they asked him after the 2003 blackout, what what would be the one thing that would make New Yorkers have to leave overnight? And someone told him if we um, lost water supply. And so that was one of the impetus for creating, for investing in control number three and really doubling down on improving our water infrastructure. Because the last thing he wanted on his watch after that experience was to have some dramatic situation and not
0: the city not be at least thinking about it. Will you come back? Because I have a sense there might be a couple <laughs> more we things we could get to <laughs>
3: In the meantime, we've got questions for our listeners like, who are the unsung heroes of our uh, originating water structure and which diehard deals with the water tunnels? <laughs> and, and if you have answers for this, tw- DM us, slip into our DMs. Slide
1: into the DMs
3: slip or, into- or, 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 or t- tweet us. Wait,
1: but also, you slip
0: into DMs or slide into slip- DMs?
1: Well, why, why don't we ask Anthony Weiner? He would know. Um, <laughs> but I say also, hey, everybody, let's get our water tested. Yeah, call three one one today.
2: And drink water.
1: Drink. I just drank mine out of metal. Is that okay?
2: I think it's great.
3: As long as it doesn't have the stuff in it, right? The beep I don't
1: know. I don't know. We're all filled with plastic. <laughs> and poop, apparently. Thank you guys so no, much. No. This has been a lot
0: of fun. I think oh, that
1: ended definitely oh.
0: <laughs> sewage next time.
1: Thank you. Yeah, we're.
2: Oh yeah, sewage. Oh my god, that's
1: oh, a whole great thing about mm. um, sewage. F A Q. F.A.Q. NYC is a production of Racket Media and is supported by a grant from Civil, a blockchain company reinventing the economics of journalism, and from listeners like you. We are headquartered and recorded this week at NYU's McSilver Institute for Poverty Policy and Research. A special thank you goes to Ibrahim Abdul-Mateen, who's an adjunct professor at Baruch in the Marx School. I also want to thank our executive producer, Alex Brooklyn, and Adam Kamara, who recorded and mixed today's
0: episode. If you don't know, now you know. Alex, before we go, um, what are you doing Friday?
3: All right. Well, Friday I am going to interview Jonathan Lethem. It is the 20th anniversary of Motherless Brooklyn, and it's the 10th anniversary of Chronic City. Motherless Brooklyn also has a film out. He's going to read a little bit from his new book, and we're also going to discuss old booksellers in New York Uh, A lot of people know that our friend Michael Seidenberg from the quote-unquote secret bookstore, Brazenhead Books, passed away over the summer. And in remembrance of him, we're going to talk about what it was like to have this culture of reverie around the objects that represented some of our favorite literature throughout history.
0: It's written about uh, Seidenberg and clerk for him. Yeah. When he was younger. Lethem
3: worked at his bookstore for a long time as a teenager and wrote extensively about that. In fact, Michael was uh, the impetus for, I think, several of his characters um, in Motherless Brooklyn and in Chronic City.
0: And if people want to come to this.
3: It's at Spoonbill and Sugartown Booksellers. That's in Williamsburg at 218 Bedford Avenue in Brooklyn. And it'll be 7 p.m. show up sharpish.
2: All right. I just want to acknowledge your gold chains. Thank you. Like you're like a rapper.
3: Or an old Jewish lady. (laughs) One or the other.